To borrow a phrase from one of my favorite authors that can both potentially make me sound overly pedantic and old, back in my younger, more venerable days, I used to believe that motivation was something that was acquired externally. Your ability to motivate, to excel, or to achieve a goal was based exclusively upon the competition that you had. That it was entirely external to you, and therefore the people that you were competing against, they were your enemies. They were things to be hated. They were people that you wanted to beat into oblivion. And that worked fine, I guess, for a long period of time, but it wasn't terribly healthy. And also it kind of gives way to, I don't know, life, age, maturity. And the fact that you can't go around hating everything and everybody who are competing with you in certain sports or in certain activities or in whatever it happens to be. Recently, I would say probably way too recently, I've discovered that it isn't an enemy. An enemy is something that exists in very, very limited context. An enemy is somebody that you face off in war or in situations that there is a body count involved. Nine times out of 10, more like 99.9 times out of 100, it's not your enemy and it is never your enemy in sports. It is your opposition. It's your opponent. It's the person, the man, the woman that is there to make you a better version of yourself through competition, through sport, through business, through enterprise, through the law, through whatever it happens to be. It is your competition that makes you a better version of yourself. Okay, fine. Now that makes sense. But what does internal, external have to do with anything? Well, if you are exclusively externally motivated, if you are somebody who is only motivated by the act of competing against somebody else, you will run up against a wall eventually. Motivation lies within. Your ability to push yourself is only going to be as powerful, as strong, as potent, as positive as your ability to push yourself against yourself. You must be internally motivated. You must drive to excel against yourself before that you can ever excel against other people. Yes, your competition will push you harder. Your opponents will push you harder than you will ever probably push yourself. But without that internal drive to be a better version of yourself, that internal drive to make yourself the best lawyer, athlete, business person, insurance agent, driver, student, engineer, doctor, whatever it is that you do in your life, if you don't drive to make yourself better, all the opponents in the world won't do it for you. So what does that have to do with bike racing? What does that have to do with this show, this way delayed version of a show that we should have released many, many moons ago? Clever Martinez, Miami Blazers, the Venezuelan-born immigrant to the United States who has gotten it done in so many different ways, has taught me and has taught probably a lot of his opponents that it is better to have fun on the start line. It is better to laugh and smile throughout the course of your competition than it is to not. 
And yet you can still be a fierce competitor. You can still be somebody who wants to win and will do anything in his power to win, who will push himself inside and out to achieve a result while still being everybody's friend, while still not having animosity, while still being somebody that I cannot find anybody in the Peloton who will say a bad word about. Push yourself. Push yourself hard. Use your opponents to make yourself better. But in the end, it's just a sport. And it's just life. Have fun with it. My name is Rob Kelly. This is Criterium Nation, a show about life lived one corner at a time. We are a proud part of the Wide Angle Podium Network of Shows. We have been a delinquent one. We've been a silent partner, but we are a partner within the Wide Angle Podium show of Shows. WideAnglePodium.com is your home for the full bevy of shows from Cyclocross Radio to the Grodio to Nowhere Fast to the Slow Ride Podcast. There is a lot of bike racing that's happening right now. Not a lot of it is crit racing, but there's still a lot for you to absorb and indulge and enjoy. Go to thewideanglepodium.com, find your favorite show. Please become a subscriber and help financially support this content creator-driven effort. Today's show is brought to you, of course, by our good friends at Source Endurance. Source Endurance is a full scope, full suite, full everything endurance coaching service that is run by my good friend and yours, Adam Mills. There are incredible coaches. They've got a couple of new ones. They've got room for clients. Tis the season, of course, in the coaching world for changes. If you weren't happy about what happened in 2022 and you want to make yourself even better, you want to push yourself internally and have somebody externally validate that for you, go to source-e. Net and find out what they offer, what they can do for you to make you better. And when you find exactly what you're looking for, use the promo code Criterium Nation, all one word, for $50 off your first month of coaching. Okay, so we're seven-ish minutes into this show. We haven't heard a single bit from Clever Martinez yet. We're going to change that. We're going to change that real soon. But just remember, the guy moved here from Venezuela two years ago. He has come so far, so fast. In 2019, 2020, none of us knew who he was. None of us had ever spoken to him. And now here we are, speaking with him, learning from him, and maybe getting some hair care advice along the same lines. And we're doing all of that right now. Yes, my name is Clever Martinez. Yeah, it's my real name, Clever. I'm from Venezuela, and I race with Miami Blazers. I don't know, Clever, which of the three right now are the highlights of my season. The first is getting not one, but two fist bumps from Justin Williams. The second is getting text messages from Brandon Fury saying, Brotastic or Brosevich or Bra. Those are always good. Or earlier this week, you called me Poppy. 
No. I'm not sure which I, one of those is the highlight of my year, but getting get you on yeah. this show has been a quest <laughs> for the three of us. So welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight? Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm doing great, man. I'm just so happy to be here finally. And yeah, I think, well, I, I got to tell you, I, I don't know if this is going to make you feel less special, but I think Papi, it's a common word. Like, I will call Papi all my friends. I mean, you're my friend if, you know, if that helps. Uh, so, so yeah. It's like the Venezuelan version of calling someone man or dude. Or dude, yeah, yeah. It's the Venezuelan version of dude. I will take yeah. that coming from you. If it's any sign of familiarity or friendliness or friendship, I will take that 100%. You talked right there at the outset about being from Venezuela. You're new to the United States. This is the immigrant experience for you. You know, you moved here in 2020. You found yourself to New Jersey. How did you make the jump from, you know, what is been a very chaotic time in Venezuela preceding the pandemic to now a chaotic time in the United States where we've got a pandemic, we've got, you know, political upheaval, we've got inflation, we've got all this stuff. But for you, like, that seems like it's almost calmer than what you were dealing with back at home. Yes, uh, it's, it's uh, you know, it's different. It's a completely different situation. Uh, the political aspect for Venezuela, from Venezuela, it's, it's, it goes really deep. And, the, and don't, let's not talk about the economic aspect. But I think uh, I found myself here at the right time, at the right moment, I think. Because I came here without a wish to stay, because I came here to race track in Pennsylvania, but then because of pandemic, I got stuck, and then my visa got expired, and then I met my now wife, and then here we are talking in a podcast. Listen, listen to me. Even I'm talking in English. I I used to just say, "Hi, hello." <laughs> Yeah, my name is. But now I think um, I've been learning a lot. And yeah, I'm grateful for this. For all of this. Life is good, man. The place where you're living now in Jersey, I got the pleasure of going into your neighborhood, basically, with Tour of Plainfield in Somerville earlier this year. There are a lot of recent arrivals in the United States in that area whether they be Latinx, whether they be Indian as in subcontinent, continent Indian from Southeast Asia, you know, you've got a lot of people who weren't like my family from 1763 in, in North America. You know, this experience that you've had in these last two years how have you navigated that? How have you used the community of folks who are around you to keep positive, to keep happy, to keep, you know, from going insane, basically? See, yeah, I, I think I will always take the positive aspect of, of everything around, even if, you know, I'm struggling with something or, 
you know, when I first came here, I came to Queens, New York City. And so I found a job in, in a bike shop where basically everyone speak English and I didn't know anything. And so like I was struggling, but also I was thinking, well, I'm learning, no? So I think, you know, that kind of situations that I put myself on, it's been helping me to, you know, improve my language, my skills, even like communication skills, because it's totally different to talk like how how do you refer to uh Spanish people in Venezuela? It's more informal than here. It's more it's more formal. It's more respect for from one each other. And back in Venezuela, it's just bu bullying around. You know, whatever everyone is. It's it's friends with everyone. So I think it's been a rich journey. One that you've become an ambassador for. I don't know if you realize this, but like in 2019, before the pandemic started, you know, I was in New York City racing Harlem, which, you know, you and I both raced there together this year. And that was the first time in 2019 that I was in a race where I heard Spanish being spoken by multiple bike racers. Now with you and with Danny Estevez and Alfredo and Ruben and all of these other guys who are a part of our, you know, elite portion of the Crip Peloton, all of you guys are speaking Spanish. The community has gotten so much broader than it used to be. Like I have to go and dust off my Duolingo just so I know when you're attacking because somebody's going to be like, you know, yelling at me in Spanish and I got to remember that vamos means go. <laughs> so like talk to us about how you and the rest of your teammates have broadened this reach to more Spanish speaking bike racers than we've ever seen before. Listen, it, it's it's been great to to be around Spanish people in the elite stage. When I first came here, actually, I was in Florida. So there is a lot of Spanish people because all of them are down there. But then when I moved to, to Queens, uh, yeah, there's this Spanish like community, but then a lot of non-Spanish at all. And so when I first started racing at the national level, I... It happens to meet all these people, Spanish people that I didn't know six existed all around the country. I knew about about Brian Gomez, but I didn't know um, Alfredo. I, I didn't know, you know, Angel. I didn't know now my teammate. Uh, you know, a lot of them, and then I I knew Frank because who doesn't know Frank? Frank the Tank, but. That, yeah, other than that, I think it's been great and it's it's always a good experience to to race with or you know against uh, Spanish people because they race different. I think this year, I don't know, I, I can't say anything about 2019 or before because I wasn't here. So I know I'm, I'm like a pandemic racer. I started racing after pandemic and 
I, I feel like home, you know, it feels sometimes uh, the podium is sp just Spanish people. And I, and I feel like racing back in a Pan American championship or a South American games or something like that. And it feels good. I mean, I want to get Alan and Celine in here, but it is kind of funny that you just mentioned Frank the Tank and you're the first person on this podcast to go Frank the Tank and not have me think, oh my God, is that what Cundiff is called now? You're talking about Travieso himself, the legend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm talking about Travieso. Yeah. Was that shade? Oh, yeah, a lot of shade. <laughs> I know you guys, I know you guys have a lot of beef, but no, it's not Frank Cundiff. He's my good friend too, but he doesn't speak Spanish. Well, you mentioned that Spanish or South American racers race a lot differently from U.S. racers. And I'm curious how long it took you to kind of adjust to the American style of racing and what are kind of like the main differences that you noticed? I would say the main difference between uh, South American racing and North, North American or U.S. racing is the intensity because we don't have any kind of uh, crits down in South America. And so, you know, it's always a stage race or a classic. And it's normally, you know, a couple hours, three, four, five hours road race. And so when you get here and you ride out of the bat, you're like 180 BPM. And you know, trying to trying to figure out how to handle your bike through those corners, and it's all happening very very fast. And I think because of my track racing background, I've been racing track since twelve years old. Actually, my first two three years in cycling was just track. I didn't have any road bike. And so I used to go to a track every day and just ride in circles. And, you know, I think that uh, helps me a lot on the intensity aspect and the bike handling because track, you know, you go fast, but then you go like close to each other too. And, you know, you don't have any U-turns or, or heels, but it, there's always, it, you need to be sharp you know, like tunnel vision on your, on your race. And I think that helped me a lot with uh, the adaptation to create racing here. And yeah, I think that, that that's about it because of track. I, I, I will always say I adapt quite uh, fast to create racing just because of track. What was it like in that first crit that you did you know what was what were the feelings like when you suddenly didn't have to go in a circle but you were going in you know 90 degree corners what was that like listen back in 2019 you didn't know but i was here racing track at the velodrome in pennsylvania that wore bicycle series they they do every every year but by the time we were racing track, uh, Harlem happened. And so we were racing Friday, Saturday, and Harlem was Sunday. And so uh, 
we were at the track and we were like, well, there's a race uh, in New York City. Let's let's get to know New York City. And so we came down to New York City, raced that crit. I was so, so, so scared because that was so fast. Legion was there. Uh, Legion won, I think. They went one, two or one, two, three. I can't remember that that year. I got a flat like five to go. And that was over. It was over for me. I was feeling kind of good, but kind of uncomf- uncomfortable because of how many people were racing that fast, that close in a crit race with all that, you know, manholes and, and potholes. And well, you know that, you know that course. It was overwhelming for me. I was so confident I was going to do good because, you know, I'm a track racer and, you know, I race, you know, uh, uh, three four hours racing this is this is nothing for me i mean just one out racing uh, that's butter and when i and i when i was there i was like oh no oh no 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 this is completely different uh from what i was thinking it was gonna be it was a rude awakening rude awakening is that good yeah I wanted to say it's really refreshing to hear you say that because there's, I think, this misperception that American crit racing, a lot of people like to bash it and say that it is not real bike racing. And so to hear you validate that American or North American um, racing is real bike racing is really good to hear. Yeah, it is. It is a real good bike race. It's different. It's not, it's not like that, those boring for hours but yeah i think is it's it's really exciting i mean i i'd rather one hour full throttle like full gas instead of you know five hours drinking and and talking shit you know <laughs> in the pack well not not it's not the alan case because he's always in the breakaway but for me i'm not a breakaway dude <laughs> I'm just, you know, chilling and just hanging in there. Yeah, I get too bored sitting in the group also, so that's why I'm always looking for that breakaway. Haven't made it to the finish, but give it a try. <laughs> uh, you will, you will. Yeah, one day. Uh, it is interesting, though, you talking about picking up crit racing pretty quickly because of track racing. And it does seem like, you know, in 2021, you started popping up and, like, getting some some top 10s and everybody sort of learned who Clever Martinez was, or at least that you existed, uh, not to be rude. Um, but so like, what would you say has happened over the last year that you've been able to go from, you know, top 10 or thereabouts to, you know, you could almost say like dominating, at least with the case of Intelligentsia, just like dominating these crit races and being pretty much on the podium everywhere you go. I think what what happened to me was I, I knew I could make it and I had the fitness and I was working really hard. I've been working, I still work really hard for it. And I think what gave gave me that boost of confidence was 2021 Tulsa Tough. I ended up being third GC. And yes, like you say, Everyone was like, who is this dude? Like, where is this dude coming from? I mean, yeah. who are you? What's your name? 
And well, and the real tricky part was like we have road results here in the U.S., and so everyone's like, "Who is Clever Martinez?" And you go and look at road results, and and there's just nothing on you. Yeah. So yeah. you're just like this mystery man that showed up at Tulsa and was showing everybody how to race. Yeah. No. No. I, I didn't show any. I mean, I was just hanging in there, like, and I happened to be behind Legion, and you know, I got third. That's it. But uh, <laughs> I wait. Wait. Uh, you got you got third. At Crybaby Hill, at Tulsa yes. Tough. Yes, that's not an easy thing to do. That's not like the first night of Tulsa, and all you got to do is like go along with the pack and occasionally pedal. Oh, no. Like, oh no, oh no, that Crybaby Hill, like that day was really hard for me because you know all this staging, like the D one teams stage in the front, and then all the race towards the back, and I literally started last position and then once that starts full gas i don't know how they make it that hard and you know all day i was trying to move up and move on and finally like 10 to go i was like first 15 20 and then i ended up being 12th the first day and then fifth the second day and then third the third day don't know why don't know how i ended up there but i kind of figured uh what was the legion strategy like always let like make that gap that second to last corner or last corner and when i saw they were doing the same i was i just went for it and then yeah you have this capacity and alan tell me i'm wrong having been in more races with him than i have been but you have this capacity to find little holes that don't exist in the field. Like you are so slippery at like, I would try to follow you through a gap at like pickle juice or something like that in 2021. And you would vanish And the next, next thing I saw, I was on the side of the road having getting dropped and you're <laughs> dropping everybody up the field. Like what had, what did you, what part of school did you go to, to learn how to snake through a field so effectively that you you can do this by yourself? You don't need the other Miami Blazers. It's it's funny because this year we were racing track and we we went to we went to uh, to Harlem and this guy from Canada, he's a former, or I would say, actual Nash a uh, world champion. He was world champion last year, but he was junior world champion. And then this year he's super, uh, uh, under 23. So is he still world champion? I don't know. Whatever. He was racing, like kicking everyone's ass in, in, on the track. And then he uh, went to the race Harlem. And I was like, I was confident him on him to you know, doing really well because I knew he's got the power and, you know, I ended up being third and he, I don't know, like maybe top 10, but he was like, afterwards, he was telling the other Canadians guys, he was saying like, I don't know how this dude teleports (laughs) through the pack. (laughs) I was right behind him and all of a sudden he wasn't there. I don't know how he do it. And I'm telling you, I don't know. I don't know either. I have no answer for that. I just like, it's like those micro 
accelerations maybe from track i think helps me to like close those little gaps every time then because i don't i don't i feel like i don't wait for the gap to open but i feel like i know it's gonna open and so i start going for it even before the gap is i i like read the the move the you know i don't know i don't know i don't know what to say about that but i feel like yeah it's you know it's been many many times many many years racing track and and i i'll keep saying is 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 because of the track racing i i'm able to to do these quick you know sneaky moves I feel like that's actually pretty spot on. Like, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who's done this, but like going back and watching your GoPro footage from all of our races, since it's just on your helmet, there will be times specifically like going into corners where it's just like, man, I don't really know where he's going. Like there's definitely not room there. And then just all of a sudden it like opens up and you slot in Mm -hmm. and you're moving up and everybody else is like falling back wheels. And I know I personally have been in races where like, I think I've got a good line and then I start going backwards and you just, yeah, like slip up on the inside. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I think like you said, those kind of micro, like, yeah, micro power on the power just to like really fill gaps before they're even necessarily there. You can like see what's going to happen before it happens. And that's, yeah. that's yeah. a skill that definitely takes time to, to figure out. Yeah. It's been, it's been, man, I'm telling you, it's been 20 years racing my bike now. Maybe you don't know, but I'm 30 32 years old now so been a couple of days it's been a couple of days racing my bike yeah but you're uh the miami blazers team is like sneaky experienced you guys have got a lot of right. a lot of veterans on that team <laughs> yeah but yeah. y'all look I mean, so young so it's like yeah sneaky well let's not let's not talk about frank frank is is something <laughs> different frank will never frank die is, he is immortal yeah yeah he's like 68 years old and he's, he looks like <laughs> the youngest <laughs> yeah and let's not talk about too. johnny johnny freaking he's like 22 years old and he looks like 42 <laughs> we actually it's like an old man we actually did a pool a poll on instagram and he we were talking i think it was connor connor asked to the people i think uh, johnny was was it was johnny's birthday and and connor like made a poll like asking people how old they uh, Johnny was <laughs> people would say 30 something 40 something <laughs> no he's like 24 he's so young it's crazy tell us about the guys on Miami Blazers like this is a new home for you you know you, you were last year on Rocklands which is a, a kind of a local New York squad but now you've made this huge jump to you know being on this elite team with Frank Trevieso, Dante Young, Connor Saley, you know, uh, just hitter after hitter of exceptional bike racers. I mean, Hassani Hennis, I mean, how many, how many national champs do you have on one team sort of thing? (laughs) Uh, You know, tell us about your squad. I think I'm very thankful for the kind of racers that I that I'm surrounded with, uh, you know, started from, starting from Frank. He's the without without a doubt, he's the most experienced racer 
at this time in the whole entire country. Nobody's been racing more than him. It's always helpful to have him, you know, to have his perspective of every race because he he raced everything several times in 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 the US. And then we have Johnny, who's got uh, you know, continental or international experience, you know, in Europe. He's been the youngest national champion, pro national champion. So it's always like um it's it's interesting uh what he is gonna say every race, like in terms of like what's the plan, what's the race plan. Johnny is always have that word. We have Dante John, which is really fast. Uh, maybe not his best season this year, but he's always with that wisdom out there. Uh, you know, coming from Legion, he was he used to race with Legion, same as Angel, and so they both know how to execute uh, a plan, a race plan, and so it's been that's been helpful. Had helpful for us then also um connor it's i don't know how he did it but he came from not being able to walk to show up in intelligentsia and being my last lead out uh man and you know pulling or throwing out there all he's got you know <laughs> i was making fun of him because every time in the morning they were oh man i'm so tired (laughs) they wanted to keep sleeping but yeah it was because they were actually doing everything they could in order to help uh for the win and you know we have hassani who's the national champion we have romello who's the national champ with the hassani from Anguilla national champion, then Romalo from Guyana national champion. And then we have uh, Josh, who is no national champion. He's the former national champion, but he's the actual Caribbean champion, which is like the Pan American, but for the Caribbean. So we have all these talent. And I would say I'm the only one without a title. And, you know, like, Okay, in paper, I was like, mm, "This, this, this could be, couldn't, you know? Let's let's try this, dude." But all of them, they they all have these titles and all these uh, results uh, that speak for them, and it's it's really nice to have this mix of cultures. Also, you know, we have Dante and. Angel from California, they have their culture. And then we have this Caribbean culture from Hassani, Romello, and Josh. And then we have this uh, Southern culture from Johnny. And then uh, pretty much Frank and my culture is pretty much the same. But he drinks a lot more coffee than me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then, you know, when you put all these people together in a team or in a house or in a camp, you know, it's it's really interesting um, 
how that how that play it's 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 nice it's nice not to be like just close and square but you know have all this mixture is i love it so that begs the question i think celine we got a question from the fans about arepas the fans yeah we have fans out there (laughs) (laughs) yeah we did get a lot of really good questions actually and um one of them that is culturally related is what do you fill your arepas with (laughs) i feel well my favorite feeling is called reina pepiada and it's just basically chicken and avocado but it's like they make like a like a like a salad with that, and you feel your arepa like ridiculously full. Like it's more filling than the actual arepa, like like the actual crust. And that's my favorite one. That's what's yours? I bet you guys never never have never tried arepas. I was gonna add like are arepas similar to empanadas? I don't know. No. <laughs> no, 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 it's so totally different. Okay, because I'm just going to see myself out. I'm, I would be in trouble because DC has a huge yeah. Guatemalan population. Yeah. And so we yeah. have a lot of empanadas. So I can't, I know I've had arepas before, but like when I go down the street, I get empanadas yeah. from julia's empanadas and so yeah. like i've always been partial to the sweet ones so there's like cherry yeah. or apple or something like that in those but i don't want to i don't want to pretend like i'm eating the same no, thing no. As, as as you know you. what you know what if 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 we if we if we're together in you know in the or gateway i'll make some reps for you guys oh. and you and you will know what's the real stuff yeah <laughs> That's a deal. Well, I'm taking you up on that. I'll be there for sure. Celine, did did we not get a couple more questions about food? Like people are obsessed with your food. We did. Yeah, they really are uh, interested in your diet. Um, I got several questions regarding what you eat for breakfast. Huh. As of right now, I have like a routine and I've been getting... Overnight oats with blackberries and Greek yogurt, and then I will make a sandwich or, or you know, or just a toast with either avocado or a slice of, of cheese or a couple eggs. You know, basic. That's about it. No Venezuelan breakfast for me, <laughs> not anymore. I know these are supposed to be like fan questions, but I want to know more about that pizza that you were making the other night. Like, oh, you gotta try that. That was looking banging. Look, listen, I was I was um, staying a couple of days in Katie's house. Katie's our boss, Katie Kiel. Well, we were making we were making pizza, but you know, pizza. I was thinking about cheese, you know, salsa, and that's about it. But then she made this pizza out of, you know, fig, uh, fig uh, preserve, and then arugula, and then prosciutto, and then balsamic glaze. And I was like, what, what, what is this? And 
I have to make one of these at home. And yeah, it was very popular that pizza uh, here at home. I mean, they were asking for more, but I just made one of them. Yeah, boy. And yeah, like I say, it's basically it's oh, oh goat cheese, goat cheese, yeah, fig preserves, mm-hmm. and uh, prosciutto. But I can send you. I can send you a note. I can send you the you know the the recipe if you want me to. We can put the it's, recipe it's in the episode description. <laughs> I'll definitely find a way to link that to get that uh to get a picture up on the on the podcast Instagram of this pizza <laughs> that Katie Keo made with you. One no episode with you would be finished if we don't talk about video. You know you've become so popular because of your GoPro. And because you've just, you throw the GoPro up there on, on YouTube and it's just like, come and take a look at this, you know, no, no necessary like edits or clips, right? It's just like, here, this is my world. Come be a part of it. Why did you decide that you wanted to do that? You know, I think part of the reason that I started doing it is because I wanted to capture that that racing style from Legion. So I, you know, since I'm always behind them, I'm just going to find a way to record these and then learn from that and learn how, you know, how to do it better or, you know, what I did wrong or what I could do better. And and it was more like, like for study purposes. And then, you know, I found a way to make it funny. And then I grab a couple of those clips and I throw them out there in the social media. And it's been, yeah, it's been good. You know, the reception, sometimes people like, you know, people will hate, but people will appreciate also. And I will take those people and I think I have like two terabytes of footage <laughs> on release on edited like yeah because i'm i'm getting this also i'm getting this 4k good quality super so high quality yeah thinking is you know after all this racing season is done and we have a lot of time to prep for next year i will have time uh out of racing to actually work on that footage and i was telling my teammates that i was making a movie (laughs) maybe i am maybe i'm not but i think with all that footage i will make at the end of the year 2022 miami blazers resume season movie maybe i'm working on it i'm working on it i think i have enough footage for it i think making a like season long movie is a great idea. You've got to have just like a ton of awesome footage stuck in there. Uh, oh, yeah. Maybe none less more valuable than Salt Lake day one. That was definitely some, oh, yeah. <laughs> some real valuable footage coming out of there. I got it all. I got it all. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sell that on the black market for a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that has gotten bigger and bigger is the impact that you have had on the Peloton. 
And and what I say and how I say that or why I say that is there is this clever Martinez effect. And that's why the show's title is The Clever Martinez Effect is you have brought this positivity, this borderline goofiness. You know, you put bunny ears You're over calling monks. me goofy. I'm oh, now you're calling me goofy. That's disrespectful, man. I'm calling your antics goofy. Oh, you, okay. you are straight serious. Okay. But, you know, like you bring fun with you to the start line. You bring fun with you through the whole thing. Like you got beat by, by Ethan Crane at Salt Lake City on day two. And in the finish line photo where he's beating you, you're still smiling. Where do you get this level of positivity? And the second part of that question is, is it, can we bottle this and sell it? Like, how do we, what do we do with this? You, you know, why not? Why not? Why? It, you, you can always choose to be angry at you or at, you, at your team or at the race or at the wall. And you can always be great, grateful. And I think I will choose always to be grateful for whatever happened. Uh, even if it's bad, because, uh, you know, you can learn from bad things more than good things sometimes. I'm, I think I'm just out there having fun all the time. You know, I think the day I stop having fun racing my bike, I will stop. I would stop because there's no there's no reason to keep racing my bike and get getting angry because I didn't win. No, you will not always win. Sometimes you lose, and sometimes you know. Sometimes you win. Sometimes you learn, and and that's how it's life, you know. And that's business. That's you know, relationship relationships. That's that's everything, and. I will be in the positive side of everything that's happening around. So, yeah. How, how couldn't you be happy if you're training your whole day, your whole week, your whole day, uh, month, your whole year for a race, and then you'll be able to show up to the race that you've been training for? How couldn't you be happy for that? How couldn't you be happy to be able to you know, just ride your bike. How many people couldn't, you know, wish to ride a bike and they don't even have a bike or they don't even have legs or, you know what I mean? So I think we have it all and I'm grateful for that and I'm happy for that. Have you always had the outlook of you either win or you learn or is that something that you had to adapt to and develop no it's it's been always my mindset since i was you know because i wasn't the best i'm not the best now i've been trying to figure uh ways to be better and so you know fail is the only way to like overcome those situations where you're not good at and just, just just go out there and fail and learn from that until you learn how to do it right. And that's, that was the reason for the GoPro, you know, at the very beginning, you know, to learn how to do it better. 
yeah, that's like my mindset since the very beginning. One thing that I noticed uh, in getting ready for this show is that you were very good last year when you were on Rocklands and you were effectively racing, you know, by yourself. I mean, you had Cesar Marte as a teammate and Cesar is an exceptionally experienced bike racer who got some really good results. This year with the people who are around you, you know, the results have improved surprisingly, amazingly, even over where they were last year. You have not finished outside of the top 10 in any single race this year since June. I think it was like June 5th or June 4th. Yeah, June 5th was the last time this year that you finished outside of the top 10. That's 18 races ago. Was it Joe Martin? No, it was Armed Forces. I crashed. I crashed in Armed Forces twice, just so you know. Yeah. I'll throw it out there. Second day, I crashed twice. (laughs) That's a hard race. The question that goes with that statistic, how much of that, and I want you to think about when answering this question, your experience at the, the, the South Chicago race down on the lakefront, how much of that level of accomplishment is due to the guys who are with you, the Hassanis, the Connors, the Frank Traviesos, how much of that is due to them as opposed to you just being the slipperiest guy in the peloton? I will say it's 100%. 100% every time we go out there and we make a plan, we will do this and we will do that. And if it, if it doesn't work, uh, we, we all together for Clever at the end. And I think every time they, they get together uh, and work just for one guy in this case, to me or for me, I feel that I wouldn't say pressure, but it's like that boost, that energy boost that I sometimes need to to go up and beyond my limits sometimes. I think is because of their work 100% I've been top 10 this whole time that I, I didn't actually know that. And so and you know when I'm when when I'm racing on my own, it's more like a survival instinct for me. It's not even pressure, but it's like I need to do, I need to put myself there and do the best I can do because that's the only way after the race, if I don't win, I'll be satisfied with the results, whichever it is. Like if I'm eighth, but I know I did, you know, I did my 110%, I will be really happy. I will be really happy. It's just I need to uh, to do, improve my training or to rest a little bit more or whatever. But whenever my team is around, it's 100% thanks to them, uh, my results. This just dawned on me. I remember it now. You are a champion. So you've got, you've got all these national champs and the Caribbean champ. You're the New Jersey state champ. 
Oh, ah, I forgot about that. Well, actually, let me tell you this, because like a couple of months ago after that race, the uh, the race promoter came to me and said, you know what? Uh, someone was complaining about that, about your state championship. You know, did you know in the U.S. cycling, you have a license? uh from florida i was like well yes 2019 when i came here you know a group of friends wanted me to race a local crit and they didn't uh let me race with my national with my international license so they applied for a local you know for a local crit uh at usa cycling license since 2019 but from then, it was just one time thing. And somebody found out about that. And they were complaining with the race director saying that I have a Florida license, that I shouldn't be the New Jersey state champion. Even I live here, I've been living here over a year. And yeah, that happened to me. You, so I don't know at this point. I don't know if I'm really a New Jersey State champion or not. So I say you yeah. you get to rock that jersey with the best of them. I think what what is it like a yellow jersey or buff color or something like that? We'll go with that. It's it's yeah it's a light blue yellow something like that. Yeah, you're New Jersey to me. I am curious. Like pretty much every state has like a state crit championship. Should we let people like have state-specific champion jerseys for crits and road race i feel like the legion guy or like Corey, is the only one why that not? does it but like he has a california state crit champion jersey that he wears like how come we all don't do that yeah we can all do that but asking having been the idaho state champion at one point <laughs> dc does not have a state championship well not a state <sighs> Don't don't get me going political on this, Alan, about us being state or not a state. I mean, we do have Mabra with, you know, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, West Virginia and Delaware. So, like, we can all be one big happy family. Celine, I, I, I want to go back to you with a couple more of the fan questions so that we can wrap up here. I know that there's a super important one that is germane to all of us uh, more healthy quaffed individuals possibly the most important question of this interview what is your hair care routine oh can can i tell you what what uh jana said your hair care routine is because i've asked i was like how does he get his hair looking so good (laughs) and she says it's all natural yeah it's true i mean I don't think, I don't know if this is the natural version, but I will uh, wash my hair once every two weeks. And that's about it. I couldn't tell you more because I don't do any more. I mean, yeah, I wash my hair. I like cut the dreadlocks because I got dreadlocks every time I wash my hair. Then some conditioner conditioner that's it that's it i'll wrap it up here and i don't do anything <laughs> there's so much i don't do any anything else 
Oh my God, that is the most beautiful <laughs> thing I've ever seen. I don't even know how At we can point. describe that. Alan, how would you describe that to the listeners? I was I was just going to say at this point, it's like we really should start like video recording these just so everybody can have witnessed that. I did get a new GoPro. I'm bringing it with me to Indy. Maybe we'll do like a, a clever hair care special at, at Indy sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think what I'm most impressed at is like how small you can get it. Like when you're riding around with a helmet on, like I never think, oh, man, clever's hair is super long. But when you let it out like that, it's just like yeah, it poof, nice and long. Poof. Yeah, <laughs> I think I, I like wrap it up several times with the bungee. How do you call that? The scrunchy. The crunchy. Yeah. The scrunchy. 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 Yeah. With that, like I, I will do like three laps, then, you know, trying to get it really compact. <laughs> but be, when, you know, when you let it, let it out, it will sponge. It goes spongy, spongy, spongy hair. I always thought <laughs> yeah. that Boardman had the longest hair, or maybe Tyler Locke, but now I know for a fact that it is Clever Martinez. He wins yet again <laughs> with the hair. I will win that. Yeah, yes. I will win that. Another title goes to the Blazers. I'll take. I'll take that title. I'll take. That. <laughs> I like. Thank you so much, Clever, for joining us on the show, dude. It's been a pleasure and thank you guys for having me on the show. Finally, I will <laughs> listen to a podcast from Creed Nation with me. Woo-hoo! How cool is that? <laughs> hear, hear yourself talking back at you. But yeah, thanks. It's been it's been awesome having you on. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Like, likewise, likewise, guys. Love it. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the show. We are a proud part of the Wide Angle Podium network of shows. WideAnglePodium.com is your home for everything in bike racing, especially independent bike racing. It's the only place that you can go for that. Today's episode, really super cool, was edited by Alan Schroeder, and it was produced by Celine Oberholzer. I am like a proud podcasting papa right now uh yeah so i'm probably old enough to be both of their fathers but who cares i'm just like the older cool brother that they hang out with now and uh yeah rambling sorry very very excited please congratulate them for the great work that they did we will be back in a couple of weeks with the penultimate using that word correctly here chapter in the project echelon files for 2022 so come back Join us soon for more stories from our Criterium Nation. <laughs>